As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome back. It's another episode of Hoops Adjacent on the NBA, The Athletic MBA Show. David Aldrich here in D.C., was fresh from his workout where he bench pressed about 450, 475. I can't keep track. Waz, what's up, man? I'm good, man. It's, it's no weights out here uh, as the gyms are still closed, and I haven't been one of those people that made a home gym. So I'm just going on hikes in the morning. DA. There you go. Um, I'm actually, doing that as, as soon as we're done. I, I actually saw a dead dog on my what? hike today. <laughs> yeah. A little dead dog. I was like, damn, that's tough. But, you know, all dogs go to heaven, so he'll be straight. Yeah, damn, man. Damn. (laughs) That's a downer to start the show with. (laughs) 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 We'll try to to bring it back up with our guest this week. (laughs) Our guest, the director of sports journalism at Northwestern University. One of the few Wildcats I can actually stand was because they're pretentious. Most of them. Mm. But J.A. is a good dude. J.A. Donde, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, don't let us beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. You're trying to talk about insufferable. <laughs> you might Y'all, want to I won't, stay on social media if we beat Ohio State. I swear State. to God. Y'all are the most insufferable collection of alumni ever. I hate Northwestern. I didn't even go. My wife got her Ph.D. from Northwestern, and I hate Northwestern. That's how much I hate Northwestern. I thought you was going to say you didn't even go to the graduation ceremony. <laughs> no, I went. I went. She's my wife. I had to go. You know? <laughs> I had to go. Uh, hey, Jack, are you going? Is It's in It's in Indiana. It's in Indianapolis, right? So are you going? No, I, I don't know. What, I think it's pretty much family only, is it, right? Is it fan free? That's been the okay. case, at least at, at, the, uh, at the home games. Um, oh, okay. You know, we have. Probably the best team that we've had since since I've been back on campus since 2016, and I haven't I haven't been up to uh, the stadium at all this year. And so, yeah, going down to Indianapolis, um, I, I kind of what's the point? <laughs> I didn't know, you know, Indiana Red State. I figured, well, they probably let everybody in, right? It's all good here in Indiana. <laughs> you know, I didn't know, I didn't know. So what's what? So they're good. They're real. What are they 14th ranked in the country? They're pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, and I doubt we beat Ohio State, but it could happen. You never know. And it's possible there might not be a Rose Bowl this year. <laughs> right, right, the Big right. Ten. It'd be very Northwesternish to win the Big Ten, <laughs> and there's no Rose Bowl to go to. <laughs> and even if they do play the Rose Bowl, we probably won't be able to go to the Rose Bowl. But that's right. probably the reason they're not going to play the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. So the thing is, you can't relay the like it has to be played in Pasadena in order to be called the Rose Bowl, so you can't hmm. even have like a relabeled Rose Bowl somewhere else. Like you, you know, they play the in... Maui Classic, and where 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 they play the Maui Classic this year? North Carolina or someplace? <laughs> it wasn't <in> Maui, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> but they still called it the Maui Classic, even though it was in Idaho or whatever. Right. <laughs> that's that's weird. That's weird. Uh, so. We're a week away from the start of uh, this very odd NBA season um, that's coming up. So, Jay, what's what's like – give me two or three things that you're looking at story-wise as we get ready to start the season. I mean, obviously, we're looking at LeBron, Lakers, you know, possible repeat and all that. And 
Clippers re, retooling, I guess they're not rebuilding, but what's, uh, what are you looking, what's in the crystal ball for you this year? I keep focusing on more and more. It's, it's what I like and what I want. And mm-hmm. I want to see the teams that stay together, like, and are trying to just build. So Denver and Portland, Dallas, I love that Phoenix doubled down and said, hey, the, the kids did all right. Let's bring in a veteran like Chris Paul. And, and let, let's let's try to – it seems like they aspire to be like a second-round team, right? Like I don't mm-hmm. think anybody's talking championships in Phoenix, but they're trying to be a little bit better than they've been. They're, they're, like they're trying to make the playoffs, right? Right. Uh, and and I miss that. I miss teams that, <laughs> that set that as a goal. It's, it's, it's become so all or nothing. Like everything else has been to the extremes in, in our country, right? And it's either you're going for a championship or you're tearing it down and, and you're trying to be in the lottery. Well, why not try to make the playoffs? And maybe if you have a really good season, the second round. Like, I, I think the Suns would be ecstatic with a second round appearance, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that. I'm all for it. <laughs> Let's celebrate a, a second round appearance. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny. I always feel like the NBA is, you can always judge the NBA by how the Indiana Pacers are doing. To me, they're like the, the <laughs> like the the litmus test of the NBA, right? <laughs> like it's Indianapolis, it's in the it's in a you know it's winter, it's cold, you know you have to like give them a reason to put their coats on and go to the arena and, and pay big money to go to watch an NBA game. You go, it's even Chicago, and they do great. You know the Bulls have had great attendance for years, but you're still in Chicago. Like there's stuff to do in Chicago. Not that there's nothing to do in Indianapolis. I don't want to get the right. hate mail, <laughs> but there's more stuff to do in Chicago, right? So, um, so you got to give them a reason, and I agree with you on that, Jay. I mean, I, I always felt like, you know, I think as much as as I understand the whole process thing with Philly and everything, that can't be the only way. You know, to rebuild. I always respected what Donnie Walsh did in Indy for many, many years with those Reggie Miller teams. They never took it all the way down to the bottom. He said, I have a really good player. You know, I have an all-league level player. I'm just going to keep rebuilding this team around him. I'm going to keep retooling this team around him. And he never took it all the way down to the studs. And I respect that. And so I know what you're saying about about Phoenix. Yeah, we're like Portland. We're, we're building our team around our backcourt of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And and you talk about litmus tests. I always look at C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum is a great indication of the talent level of this league, right? Because right. in any game, if you're drafting players that are on the court, he might be like the number five player he drafts, maybe. Right? So let's say it's like Denver versus Portland, and, and you want to pick which players you would want in that game, you know, and it's Jokic, and it's Lillard, and it's Jamal Murray, you know, and it's three, four, maybe, maybe five guys you take before C.J. McCollum, and yet, on any given night, he can be the best player on the court, right? right. We've That's seen it. We've seen, we've seen a Blazers-Warriors game where C.J. McCollum was the best player on the court, and it just shows the level of talent in this league that, like, C.J. McCollum isn't a top 10, maybe not a top 20, but on any given night, he can be the best player on the court regardless of who's on that court. And so that's kind of where I'm at in this league. I'm not that interested in the top this year because it just feels like the Lakers were the best team last year and they've gotten better, and I don't know who can challenge them. But I'm fascinated to see, okay, who can crash into that second round and who's going to feel good about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Suns, and I think the Suns are, uh, you know, instructive for fans of the game because they haven't been competent basically for ten years. They had that one fluke season, um, you know, when they had played the three point guards with uh, Jeff Hornacek and, and Bledsoe and 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 the rest, um, where they they thought they were tanking and they ended up winning 48 games, right? Like they missed the playoffs, but that was the last time they were basically any good at all. And like you said, Jay, they had some success in the bubble where they were the only undefeated team during the seeding games. Unfortunately, they didn't make the, you know, the playing tournament, but they took that success and said, guys, why don't we try to like actually invest in this and go in the playoffs, right? Like, cause they could have just, and I don't know what you even do 
why you would even go the other way, I guess, which is like, all right, um, let's not try to make the team materially better in order to I don't even know what the what the logic would be when you already have Devin Booker. Well, I mean you could, I mean I could see the point where you say, Okay, how much are we gonna have to show for a you know, let's say a first round playoff appearance, especially one in which you don't make fans. And typically you that might be worth an extra three million or four million dollars, right? If you get a couple playoff home games. Those are really right. lucrative for the team. Um, yeah. you're not gonna have that this year. Well, you're not guaranteed to have that even if you make the playoffs. And you might say, okay, what if we got a lottery pick and we pair that with Aiden and Booker and that'll be worth more to the franchise long-term than Chris Paul will this time. I could see that. But I love the fact that they're not thinking that way. I, I love the fact that uh, Donovan Mitchell is saying, okay, I'm, I'm re-upping with, with the Jazz. And I love the fact that maybe we get another Jazz Nuggets playoff series. That's something a year ago, I never would have envisioned myself saying, but who wouldn't want to repeat of what we saw from the Nuggets and the Jazz in the playoffs this year, right? And so now that possibility, we can have several Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray playoff meetings, and I'm here for that. Right. That's why I want Giannis to stay in Milwaukee. You know, like I want Milwaukee yeah. to have a good team. You know, I don't want Milwaukee to, you know, he's leaving. Do we trade him for eight future first round picks that? none of which will be as good as he is. You know what I mean? So I hope he stays um, because I just think the league, everybody, I always say this, everybody can't play in LA. There's only 24 spots on <laughs> available, you know, <laughs> and they y'all can't all play in LA. Somebody's got to play in Memphis and Indy and New Orleans. You know what I mean? So those are, those are big cities that, you know, they got, you know, they got Starbucks there. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, so somebody's got to put, I hope that, that, that you're right because, um, you know, Utah and Denver, um, each have great in- histories in their own right. And, and, you know, you just like to see these, these mid, mid level teams, uh, have sustained success. I mean, I'm, I'm, I always respected the hell out of Jerry Sloan and those teams, because you know what they did every year? They won 57 games every year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like every year for a decade. That's really hard to do in this league. And they showed up for the playoffs and they, you know, they were good enough to get into two finals. Um, and I think that, that that there's something to be said for that kind of consistency and putting a good product out every year for, for your fans. I mean, their their fans spend money too. You know what I mean? So why, and, why and DA, as, as somebody who, you know, born and raised in New York and have been close to the Knicks situation for 20 years now of just rank incompetence. Um, I think, right. (laughs) I think being as good as Utah and Denver are right now is something to aspire to, right? Like, I don't think that they're as good. I don't think Utah and Denver are quite as good as the Clippers and the Lakers, but still they, they're not going to get punked by those teams. They're gonna they're gonna right. be very competitive against those teams, right? Like they've amassed enough talent that they can put up a respectful fight against those teams. And you never know, uh, injury luck and all that other stuff. Things could break in their direction where they could be even more successful than they've been in the recent past. I don't think you know. I just don't think second round exits is something to poo poo, particularly when you have cases like the Knicks, the Suns, the the Hornets, the um, Washington Wizards, teams that have just been inept for years, right? That yeah. that are just so used to just not even mediocrity of just suckiness, you know. So I, I I do I'm with you guys on that. I love watching the Utahs and the Denvers and the Indianas of past years of the world. Um, you know. Crash the big boy party and, and make things difficult for people. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm big on that. I mean, I just think that it's important for the health of the league. But I Jay, mean, if I'm you're out, a Magic yeah. fan, DA, like, what is your what? what do you have to look forward to? I know exactly. <laughs> you know, right. like at least Phoenix is they got something to legitimately be excited about. They got a young guy, Devin Booker who's legitimately a star player, a guy who can score on anybody, like the type of player that you need um, to achieve regular season and playoff success. Like in Orlando, it's just, it's just, it's misery. It's Groundhog's Day over there. Yeah, Yeah. you you know, because I'm here for any franchise whose main goal, whose main target is anything besides collecting assets. You know, that's right. <laughs> how are you supposed to get excited if our season 
like remember when you don't see media guys anymore so like can you imagine if the cover of the media guy was like you know Orlando Magic 2021, collecting assets. <laughs> Who's supposed to right. get hyped for that? Right, you know? right. So right. Cash considerations. Like 2023. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, cash no. considerations. I do have to laugh, Dave. I'm, I know you get all the, the, the emails. Like, how many emails did the Jazz send out in the last few weeks that said, Jazz, jazz gave cash considerations, right? That was <laughs> like, a, it was a, got two or three. It was the greatest – I give the, the Blazers PR people the, the credit. It was the greatest tweet of all time when they said, we welcome cash considerations to town. <laughs> There's a little money bag, right, with the press Right, right, right. <laughs> <Just> the, <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, but I, I, wrote, I wrote a lot of words last week. I said I thought the league – I think the league should, shouldn't start this next week because – just because we got – 300,000 people dead and, you know, the country's on fire with COVID right now. And there's just no way that anybody can predict what the next month is going to bring. But I could be wrong, Jay. I I acknowledge I could be wrong. Um, What do you think about that? Should should they be playing? Is it all right to start the season as quickly as they are? And how many players are are coming down with this, right, are are catching the virus? It seems like, you know, a lot of teams that one or two guys that, some teams are acknowledging, some are saying what they are, some are just ready to fill in the blank. But, right, um, right. It, it's scary. And also, the thing is, we don't know um, the long-term effects. So some guys yeah. are catching it, and, I mean, everyone in sports has to be terrified with what happened with Kante Johnson in Florida, and you don't know if this is right. related to him having the coronavirus or not. I mean, Right. Dave, you and I are old enough to, to remember he gathers. And sure. obviously that was long before coronavirus. Like It could just be if you play basketball enough games over the course of enough years, this is going to happen every 20 or 30 years. Right? Um, right? But is it coincidental that this happened to someone who had coronavirus in this year in which the virus has been so widespread? And do we have to, we just have to take in consideration Asking people not only to play in this pandemic, but are we asking them to jeopardize their careers by playing if they've had the virus or if they could contract the virus? Right. Well, it's not. It's not. To me, it's not only that. I mean, it's not. It's not like most. You know, most people aren't going to. Even if they get coronavirus, most pe- many people are not going to die from coronavirus. Most people are not going to die from it, right? And and pro- and athletes, pro athletes or college athletes are not going to die from it. But since someone wrote this, and I thought it was a good point, like even if someone's diminished 3%, well, 3% of an NBA player being diminished is a lot in the NBA. You know what I mean? Compared to the other people they're playing against, right? So when it comes up to contracts and things like that going forward – if a guy has a kind of sort of off year because he played through COVID and, and didn't have, you know, didn't have the spark or the jump that, that they normally would have. I mean, is that going to be held against them when they come back for that contract in a year or two? You know, hey, hey, you weren't too good two years ago. You know, so that's a real world thing. And even again, it's not going to be every player, but it it's going to be more than zero players. You know what I mean? So you just wonder how that, I mean, that's even- going to play out. Watching the Monday Night Football game this week with Lamar Jackson when he had to go back for cramps. And who knows if that is related cramps. to him. He had COVID-19 earlier. Or he tested positive for it. So, uh, right. you know, is, is his aerobic capacity diminished? Was his ability to, to oxygenate and blood flow and, and do all the things necessary to keep his body functioning right? Was that diminished in any way? Did that have him out of the game? Right? So, uh, I mean, we could, look at, look at Cam we, Newton we almost when he came didn't have from, one from of the fantastic athletes in the NFL for the second half of that game last night. Yeah, I, I, look, Cam Newton came back from COVID-19 and just stunk up the joint for three weeks afterwards. Right. He, right. He, right. You know, um, it's... Right. Westbrook, you know, came back from COVID yep. in the bubble and was not Westbrook, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. these are short-term things, but we don't we have no idea what the long-term implications might be for folks and you know, and that's understandable, but <laughs> for me it's like the the point of the NBA is to make money, right? right. <laughs> like I, I think people, especially fans, think the point is to you know, 
We love the, these people love the game, obviously. But the point of the Players Association and the NBA partnering up to do this, you know, to sign TV deals and and um, naming rights and all of that type of stuff is to make money. Um, and if that's the point of the league, they're going to go out and try to make money. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I understand the 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 you know what it means to be putting their bodies on the line in that way and their long term health, but you know. Business is business, <laughs> you know, like what, that. what else are they going to do? Right. I, I get that was, and I'm not, I, and look, obviously that's their, that's their main focus and it should be, you know, it's a business. I get that. I'm just saying to put the best possible version of your product out this year to me, I would wait. And it doesn't, I'm not saying don't have a season. I know you have to have a season and I'm not saying don't start the season until April. I know that's not feasible, but I think there's a middle ground between starting 71 days after the bubble ended and not playing at all. I mean, I just think there's a, to me, you could, you could make a case. And I think the the union tried to make this case to start on MLK day, which you could make into the exact same event day that you have on Christmas. Everybody's off. It's a holiday. It's a socially relevant day that you could have. You could play this. You could play five games on network TV on MLK day, just like you could on Christmas um, so, and you would have a much better message to, to give out on that day. I know it's already important, but you can and, make it even day, bigger what do you, than it do you is. Play a 50 game season. I mean, I don't know. I think that look to me, I think you could still start January 18th or wherever MLK day is this year. And you could still get in at least 60 to 65 games. I don't know if you could get 72 in, maybe you could get 72 in and you have the finals in, you know, at the end of August as opposed to the beginning of August. I'm not saying my way is the right way. I'm just saying, I think right now when we are just in the absolute worst part of this pandemic to me is just not a great time to get people to come out of pocket to, you know, even whether they're paying for tickets or not, there's a few scattered around here that are, but even more so just to, Maybe they need the break. I get that. You know, it's a, it's a distraction. It's something to not think about the bad stuff for two hours. I get the value of that. Um, I just don't know about the startup right now, bringing all these groups together and they're, they're done everything they can in terms of safety to try to mitigate it. Um, I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, probably am wrong, but just something to think about um well also again long term you know we've been talking about that in terms of the way teams are strategizing in and are they going for it now are they thinking about the long term of their team of their fan base of the connection with the city all of that the long-term health of the league and i know everybody's thinking about well we got to get this money in and i do understand that a severe financial hit this season will have long-term ramifications, right? Salary cap and and right. luxury tax and all that. I get that, but the diminished product. If if a Russell Westbrook isn't quite the same, if other young talented players get this virus and again are nowhere near having their lives threatened, but are diminished in any way, five percent, ten percent diminished. Do we want to see that? Is is that good for the league? Um, is that fair to these players to ask them to to take on that risk? So I, I get all that. And I think if you are thinking long-term, and if you're thinking the short-term is that this is the worst time period, December is not good. Maybe we just need a timeout throughout society. I basically haven't been off my block the last couple of weeks. I came out here and I walked <laughs> my dog, and that's been about it for the most part. And I think we all need to be in that way until the virus subsides. Yeah. Now, I mean, we could we, we could have a spirited discussion about that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, I wanted to ask you about the podcast, the, the Beyond the Last Dance podcast that you did with BJ Armstrong, which picked up where the last dance left off. And how that came about, and you know how it was. What was it? Ten episodes? How, how did it go? Yeah, we did. We did ten episodes, and appreciate you bringing it up. Uh, you can get a free trial on Audible and listen to it. All ten episodes, just binge it. Um, and it, uh, I really enjoyed it. it. It was a fun project, and you're right. It, it did allow us to go um, other places. I mean, the coolest aspect of it was that we had access to all the interviews that they did for the last dance. You know, and, and Jason Aaron and company did such a great job of extracting so much. And, and I thought the interviews were the best part of it, right? I mean, it was right. fun to see the old footage and, and getting to see the behind-the-scenes footage was cool, particularly Michael with the cigar and the baseball bat. <laughs> that might have been my favorite from the 97, 98 season. Going Al Capone on a... Al Capone, untouchable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, they want to share it. Okay, sure, okay. <laughs> So just stuff like that was great. But I think, you know, the memorable stuff, certainly the memeable stuff was the uh, the, the interviews and having the, the distance. So what made it great, you know, they without going too far in the backstory of, you know, this, this project had been talked about for years. And they, they did a lot years. of they, You know, they actually did some interviews. They sat down with Michael and Rodman and Phil and everyone and had extended interviews like in 2004 or so. And it yeah. didn't come together yeah. at that point for whatever reason. But we all benefited from that because I think that additional distance between when the things happened and when they were being asked to look back on it, clearly the memories, clearly the feelings didn't subside when you saw how mad Michael would get just at the mention of Isaiah Thomas's name. <laughs> so the feelings didn't subside, but I think you have more honesty because of the distance that created this ability to look back with more candor and really, really get got how everybody felt about it. So the interviews were great. So we had access to those interviews. And then BJ was as great as I've ever heard him into telling some of the stories about Michael and, and what it was like playing with him and Michael's perspective on things. And then we had some great guests, um, one from Adam Silver, Dirk Nowitzki. We had fun with John Starks reliving the, the Bulls-Knicks rivalries from the early 90s. Um, Jerry Champion joined us and talked about social justice. And, uh, you know, that was an interesting episode, for example, because the, the fun thing about this was looking at things from a slightly different thing and not trying to retread the, the, the space. So when we did social distance, the words that you did not hear in that episode were Republicans, bias sneakers. Like we, we've had that discussion at nauseum, right? So what I was interested in is what made Michael that way and how much was a product of his of bringing a black man growing up in the South with parents who were the generation that came up in Jim Crow era, who you couldn't speak. Like, if Michael's parents spoke out against racism, we wouldn't have had Michael because they would have been lynched, right, early in their years. So you have parents who came up in that era when you, you need to just be quiet and be appreciative, right, be, because that could save your life. Um, we have an environment... Uh, you know, which there had been race riots and the, the Klan walking through the streets in the in the late 60s. Um, and we have sort of the mentality in the 80s of if, as a black man, you want to be successful, um, you need to appease the white audience, right? So all those things that went into the mentality of, of Michael and why he was the one. So that's why I was curious is, is what made Michael the way he was when it came to those issues? How much was a product of where he came from and the times that he was in? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that gets, I think that gets lost a lot of times when people do talk about Mike is that, and, and I, I told this joke the other day that a lot of times when you grow up in New York, you assume anybody who lives South of Newark, New Jersey is country. Um, and so you just call everybody country, right? Um, but Mike actually is from the Mike country. Mike was country. Yeah, like, yeah. like he's real country. Like he's actually from a rural area. Um, and you hear it in the early clips, right? You know, Michael, 1984, 85, the clips, you hear it. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Oh, Giannis just signed um, his, his deal. Yep. He just, Giannis is staying with Milwaukee. So we have our wish. <laughs> we talked about it earlier. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and, and did you have that feeling? And, and you know what? We, we talk about a product of where they're from, and we're talking about other podcasts. So, so that, that Giannis podcast that Adrian Wojnarowski did, one thing that comes through that is, you know, A, how poor Giannis was and how much he cared about taking care of his family. And so one thing that consistent. Anywhere, anytime he goes someplace, if he has to get on a plane or even get on a bus to go somewhere, he's like, I'm not doing this unless my whole family's coming here with me. Right. I'm taking care of my family. Where I come from, I'm making sure my family is taken care of. So it always felt that way to me that, you know, here's an opportunity to have generations of Antetokounmpo's provided for, right? Not just his immediate family, all the Antetokounmpo's that are to come for, for centuries will be provided for. If he signs this contract, you know, no matter what happens. Right. Um, and so to me, hearing that, knowing what I knew about him just through the basis of this made it seem like he was likely to take as much money as he was going to, as he could get at this moment. You know what this makes me think about too. Um, it reminds me of the moment when Presty got Westbrook and Paul George to sign and I remember being like, wow, like Sam Presti is kind of a wizard, right? Like to get Paul George, who was talking about, I want to be in L.A. for, for years. And he basically right. got him to sign in Oklahoma. And everybody thought Russell term. wanted to go home. But, yeah. you know, as the years and the days kind of go by, part of me wonders if there was a wink, wink, nod, nod of, look, sign the deal. If you guys don't feel like being here forever for the duration of this deal, we'll figure out a way to make it work for you guys to go somewhere else. Um, And I don't uh, and who knows if that's the new framework of how these deals get done with these type of guys. Right. Like with the Giannis's and the Westbrook's and the Paul George's of just like, look, you guys are superstars. We want to have you here. Um, And if it doesn't work, you could we could probably figure out. how to get you out of here if that's the case. Because you hear all the reporting about Giannis being like, I just want to be on a winner. I want to feel like I, I can win where I'm at. I want this. I want that. Um, you know, signing long-term, it's funny. I, I think it it ensures that your team's going to be a winner, right? Like Giannis is that good. Whatever team he's on is going to win. But it also, you know, how much, I guess, leverage you would call it does Giannis have in a situation where – Milwaukee can do whatever they want now. I don't know. I guess the trust is there. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if 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 there's an understanding that, like, look, if you really don't want to be here, we'll figure out a way to make you happy. And the fact that it can be true. If, if the contract somehow goes bad, and I don't envision it going bad, um, but we've seen you can move any contract. John Wall got traded, yep. right? It hasn't played in two years, has an inordinate amount of money, cap-eating amount of money coming his way, and that contract still got moved. So there's no bad deal either way, right? Like Milwaukee is not going to get stuck. And I don't think we ever envisioned a scenario where they feel stuck with his contract. But even worst case scenario, they'll probably find a way. If they need to unload it, they can. Um, and now he's secure. It, and I don't think he feels trapped there, right? It, I think if things go south and he feels like he's not in position to compete for a championship there, then, yeah, you, you can move. Right, like we thought, Russell Westbrook was going to be OKC for life. Not so. He's on his second team now. And, and the thing, and again, Oklahoma and the City. thing is, if it's not working now, it all it like the Oklahoma City situation is instructive to me because 
if it's not working out, if you try two years of Westbrook and Paul George together and it just didn't work out in them, you know, and you got embarrassed um, by the Portland Trailblazers in that series, right? It's in both people's in both yeah, parties. <laughs> right. It's in both parties' interests, all three of the parties in this case, to be like, all right, we're out. Because let's face it, like, if Paul George, if OKC really wanted to keep Paul George, and he said, and he t- and he knocked on Sam Presti's office door and said, "Oh, Sam, I want to get out of here," he'd have been like, "Go to hell! <laughs> you got three years left on your deal. We're we're, we're doing what what we have to do here. You signed a long term deal." But I think, you know, if if all the parties involved decide we don't want to do this, it's easy. Like the fact that they were so willing to ship West Mister, I stayed in Oklahoma City out. After he asked for a trade and Paul George after the same thing, it just shows that like, look, if it's not working, um, I'm sure guys uh, will figure out a way to, you know, make it happen. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little surprised by the news because like a lot of people, J.A., <laughs> I was reading the tea leaves and the comments and that first press conference Giannis did was um was strange. I think we lost D.A. Um. Well, I'll, I'll get him we'll back. Continue discussion wise. I, I will say that yeah. two things. One, I was informed by that um, by that Giannis podcast, and and also what what a, what a GM told me, and maybe a couple of GMs even told me is that look, these guys, the first opportunity they have to sign for this incredible amount of wealth, they're going to take it. They're not going to pass up that money. I've had Nathan tell me, you know, just be irresponsible for him to allow his clients to pass up that type of guaranteed money, you know, and, and your own, the thing is that the difference is hundreds, you know, the difference only winds up being, you know, being an extra 25, maybe 50 million guaranteed. Right. You know, uh, if either way, whatever way you play it out, if you want to wait a year and go into free agency and sign somewhere else, like you'll get most of that money. Right. But, you know, I, I think it's hard to pass up, signing for the absolute <laughs> most amount of money that you can sign for, especially right. if the scenario wasn't that bad. And, right. and the flip side, what you're talking about, how it affects, I think how this all affects Houston. If you go back and look at OKC and then, you know, pivoting really quickly, that and, and the, now that the mentality that we're not just going to ride it out anymore. Because mm-hmm. maybe 10, 13 years ago, the Lakers rode it out with Kobe Bryant when he was unhappy and Jerry Buss told him, uh, no, we're not going to trade you because we can't get the equivalent back in a trade. We'll never be the same if we make a trade. And I think Houston has that mentality. They don't want to trade. They're in no rush to trade James Harden. But I think going by the OKC model, they might have to, right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. In, you know, I, I, again, um, it's it, <laughs> it's important that we do note what you just said, Jay. It's like somebody walks up to you and says, you can have $250 million. All you have to do is write your name down on this piece of paper. <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> I mean, when you put it like that, you know, like, how do you, how does, how does one, you know, muster up the courage to say no? And I think, and you know what I think this is big for too. Um, when they implemented this super max stuff, it was basically on the back of KD going to, uh, uh, Golden State and leaving OKC and it was this idea that there need to be extra enticements for the KD level of guys to stay in the small market but we hadn't really seen it play out that way yet right like we saw Dame sign it um and that was kind of like it we didn't really see it play out like Anthony Davis didn't end up staying in New Orleans and all of these other examples and finally Finally, we see, you know, this enticement actually work on somebody in a market that you would have questioned whether it would work in. And they did it the right way. I think that's part of the reason why he's staying. You know, they did it the right way. Yeah, you, you saw them. You know, they, they tried to make moves. Maybe not all their moves worked out. Right. But I think you saw them making moves this summer and trying to improve their team. And, and that was enough to, to demonstrate, OK, I can stay here. I can get my money. And, and I can be with a franchise that's going to do what it takes to surround me with, with what I need. And remember, we haven't seen the best of Yanni said. He just turned 26. Right. And really, to me, what, what planning a team, if I'm a general manager now, 
to me, it's all about, can I have guys when they're age 27? Mm -hmm. If you go back and look at the history of this league, what happens when guys are 27, when they're still athletic enough to do whatever they want and they have the wisdom and the experience and it all comes together. Look at Jordan, look at Curry, look at Magic, look at David Robertson, right. look years. at countless number of guys, age 27, you know, and it, the dynamics have changed a little bit because age 27 means more years in the league now than it did. Right, in the right, 80s, right, right. right. But e even given that change, it's still remarkable what happens to guys at age 27. So the most significant aspect of this is that the Bucks will have Giannis for age 27. And if I'm building a team, I'm not trying to collect that. Like, what are draft picks worth if you don't have those guys when they're 27? Right. <laughs> if they sign early and, and, and then, you know, they maybe sign up for another year or two before they hit free agency and then they bounce before they turn 27, then it doesn't matter how many, even if you've had number one overall picks. If you don't have that guy when he's 27, then it doesn't matter to you. Right. Or if you can position yourself to get guys like Pat Riley did, Pat Riley got LeBron James. He didn't draft LeBron James, <laughs> but he had him when he was 27. Right, <laughs> so right. Pat Riley played it perfectly. Well, that's the thing. It's the problem. It's what college basketball. It's the issue with college basketball is facing now. With with you know all these, what is it, nine hundred, a thousand kids transferring every year, and it's and it's and it's an acute problem at at the smaller schools, the mid majors and, and below, and and to a certain degree the the, the high majors, but they're used to it because they draft one and dones, or they they sign one and dones, I should say. But you never get the senior year. That was used. That was the whole right. point for decades. Was we're gonna we're gonna wait until our best players are seniors, juniors and seniors, and then we'll have a chance to do something. And then when they graduate, we'll re-up and we'll start again. And maybe in two or three years, we can repeat it again. But now most schools never get the junior and senior year of their best players. They almost always transfer somewhere, you know, and that to me, getting back to what we've been talking about with Giannis, for the small majors, for the low majors, for the mid majors, that's very debilitating because their fan base never gets that good team, that 18, 19, 20 win team that you can talk about in 10, 15 years. Remember that team that got to the tournament and that had that great run? Those schools never don't get those teams now. And so how do you market that now? Come see these guys. It's like they're like minor leagues now. You know, <laughs> come watch Mike Trout before he signs with the Angels. You know what I mean? Like, OK, there's I suppose. But, you you know. You, you have to have those best players in their best seasons. Yeah, you don't get that. That that old thing used to be the best thing about freshmen and sophomores. They become, become juniors, juniors and seniors, seniors right? Right, <laughs> right. and so you would have that team. You know, you'd have that mid-major that has five senior starters or four senior starters. Or, you know, and that's what that's how that's how Maryland won a national championship with, with Gary Williams. He had a bunch of seniors on his team, which was very rare at a high major level. Um, so uh, it, 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 you're you're seeing that less and less in college sports and to your point in the NBA these teams don't get that see peak Giannis years and now the Milwaukee fan base you know whenever they're allowed back in the building will get two or three years of peak Giannis which is really about all you can ask for you know from any from any you know sports franchises did I get to see my best player have his or her best seasons in our uniform and, I, and we talked about at the outset of this podcast, you know, hoping that some of these teams, these franchises could just make a run at it. You're not guaranteed anything. I don't know if Milwaukee's going to win a championship, but at least they'll get to make a run. At least they'll have Giannis at his best. Um, when it's all said and done, I think they'll feel like they had a fair shot. Maybe they'll make it happen. Maybe they didn't, but they'll feel like they had a good run. At it. I mean, in Oklahoma City, for as great a job as Sam Presti did and putting those teams together, I don't think they'll ever look, be able to look back and like, we got our best run. Harden leaves after their first trip to the finals. Westbrook gets hurt. Durant gets hurt. Durant leaves. So they never really had a great shot at it. They had a great team that they put together. Um, you know, they made it to the finals once in 2012. But do you feel like they ever really had their best shot? They, they ever, you know, that, that team, as it could have been, we never got to see it fulfilled. I the, the team that lost to Golden State in seven, you know, that was that was up three one. To me, was the to me the closest version of of peak OKC. I mean, that team should have they should have beat Golden State this year that year. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson 
just basically denied them a chance, you know, a chance at the finals because they were better than Golden State that year. Um, now maybe they didn't have the experience to close it out, but they were better. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, to have three league MVPs and really not have more than a couple of shots at it seems kind of seems kind of odd and unfair to a certain degree. Yeah, I just hope you know Milwaukee demonstrated a level of aggressiveness and willing to put all their chips in in the offseason. Um obviously the the uh the bogey trade got botched for a numerous amount of reasons, but they showed a willingness to, you know, to be aggressive, to spend. I just hope that they continue to do that. They don't try to be one of these teams that try to sneak under the tax and cut corners. I hope that they show that level of commitment to Giannis that he showed to them by not being afraid to spend on a team that's right there at a championship level with anybody in the league right now. And so I I just hope that they continue to do that um, as a sign of, you know, good faith to Giannis for what he's done as far as his commitment to the organization and the fans. The fans. And it's sad and maybe even absurd that we're seeing that $220 million commitment to a single player is a start. (laughs) <laughs> if you're going to make that worth anything, you have to be willing to spend. You have to be willing to go into the luxury tax. Right? Yeah. And that's the other thing is that the league created this system that, um, yeah, they've got a salary cap that theoretically balances things out. But once they added the luxury tax and shifted into the haves and have nots, then you really did restrict the ability to compete for championship to a select few who have the means and the willingness to, um, to spend into the tax. And one good thing, there's several bad things about the the skyrocketing franchise valuations, um, including the fact that it almost negates the possibility of of minority ownership or ownership by people of color. Um, But one thing is, is is it almost doesn't matter. You know, you you don't have, we're never going to have a local dealership owner buy the team and try to compete with the New Yorks and the LA's, right? Right. I mean, it's going to be these venture capitalists. It's going to be these tech guys who aren't necessarily going to live in the city, but the only franchises that are available are going to be in these smaller markets. And so they'll buy them, but they will spend at Lakers, Warriors levels, right? Because they've got that kind of money uh, living where they live. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, but at least they have the means to do so. Right. So, like, if we're talking about some of the permit. Like, one thing I'm interested in in, in pandemic and shutdown is what is going to be the permanent changes um, to, as we emerge post coronavirus. I know one thing: the, the meeting in person, in terms of like faculty meetings at Northwestern, those days are done. I'm never planning on meeting in person. We can do those on Zoom. I can't wait. To meet in person again. But faculty meetings, faculty meetings, yeah, Zoom, 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 and. I think one, you know, but we're going to see a huge population shift, right? I I just saw a story this morning that the cities that are losing population as people are moving out, San Francisco and Boston and New York and places where you can get more money for your bucks, such as Austin or Phoenix, Arizona. Seattle is coming back now. Seattle was hot in the 90s. Seattle's making a little comeback now. (laughs) The Sonics, baby. Yeah. Yeah. um, um, So, you know, these are going to be long term shifts. And maybe in the NBA, it looks like, and it had already started as, as the big money were they, these, these rich, rich, fantastically wealthy owners were buying some of the small markets. So that small market, big market discrepancy started to go away in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe this means that a Milwaukee can be competitive, that the Indiana Pacers can compete with the big boys, even if they don't have the type of, uh, you know, they're not going to get revenue from their local TV deals, or they're not going to get the same type of sponsorship revenue that, that a Knicks or a Lakers franchise can get. But because the owners are so wealthy, they'll be willing to spend into the luxury tax and compete just like the, the major franchises. So maybe in a roundabout way, this will lead to the type of equity that Adam Silver, for example, has long sought uh, in his team. So equality, maybe not equity, but you know, there's, there's, there's this equal opportunity mm-hmm. that multiple franchises, regardless of the location, have a shot to compete for the championship. Well, look, the Bucks are run. The Bucks are owned by three billionaires, so I don't have no sympathy for them. <laughs> you know, no, but, but I'm saying like like that's that's what allows. This might not have been feasible if if 
the you know, Cole was still owning him? No, contract. it would not have been feasible. He would have had to have traded him. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. So, so maybe this is there's going to be a lot of things not to like about about the, the level of ownership and and basically who has the, the means to buy a franchise. It's a very limited slice. Yeah. But among that that class, among that tier of people, they are like they are are playing in the same in the same sandbox. Right. Right. So, in that regard, um, maybe we're going to see the long side and. and also, the myth of big market, small market has been somewhat overstated because, correct me if I'm wrong, the San Antonio Spurs competed for championships for a long time, <laughs> and they weren't in L.A. or New York or Chicago, right? And and as you mentioned, the Pacers were, were right there on the fringes yeah. competing. The Utah Jazz were in back-to-back finals. So, you know, it, it's been a myth that only big markets had a shot at it, but I think the small markets will have – a bigger shot. And also the fact that you don't have to be in New York or Chicago or LA to, to blow up thanks to social media and, and thanks to the democratization of, of, of opportunities now through social media. Um, you can be just as big a star in Portland or Oklahoma city as you can be in New York or LA. Right. Right. Well, look, man, I got to jump on this Giannis thing. So um, I really appreciate your time as always, man, best of luck to you. Stay safe in the streets. And uh, Happy New Year. I guess I wish Northwestern luck in the championship game. I guess. <laughs> Go catch. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me on. Great to catch up with you guys, as always. All right, my dude. Thanks, Jay. Man. All right. So uh, there we, there you have it. Breaking news on our on our program today. But, um, look, thank you for joining in. Uh, leave that five-star review on Spotify, on Apple, and wherever you get this podcast. And uh, we'll have another show before Christmas next week. So, uh, And it'll be opening night in the NBA uh, when we do our show next week. So stay safe, everybody. See you.